Hello friends, family, community. This is the Business and Bikes podcast, where our guests and I will show you how work and hobbies can be more than just work and hobbies. Business and Bikes will show you how much joy, fulfillment, and community small businesses and weird hobbies can give you. So today I have Alex Weld on the podcast and we were, you know, talking a little bit before, but uh, I know that you're recently married and that your wife is also an elite endurance athlete. And, um, you know, she's probably crazier than crazier than you in some ways, because. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. How long are her get to coast her downhill? Runs? Yeah. <laughs> she gets to the top of the hill and it's like, well, here goes my knees. <laughs> yeah. But um, I was, I, I know you we were talking a little bit earlier about my brother. And I think, I think how I probably followed you on Instagram was probably like sending me one of your stories or something and he's like bro check out this guy's power numbers and I'm like wait and then to, and then to see how like open you are about everything I you know I'm kind of a diva nerd I love all that stuff so uh and I'm sure a bunch of your other followers do too but um but you know based on you know what we see a lot of on on your profile is like the the writing and the gym work and uh, a little bit of the work stuff, but not so much. Um, but I know that when I talk, we're like, man, Alma's really into self-development. We read a lot of books. And one of something that kind of constantly keeps coming up is like, you are the average of the five people that you surround yourself with. Yeah. I always think to myself, like, man, it'd be super cool. Like if Alex was one of those people, because, you know, just based on what, what, what I, and I know Instagram's not always reality, but based on what we're seeing and, you know, all- I try to make it as close to reality as possible. Yeah. <laughs> the, the lack of job input isn't, isn't so much to hide it, but just, I never want it to come off as like, oh, I got to work my desk job. You know, it's like, I've struggled to find a way to present it as I'm doing this too, right? Like to more to uplift people than to be like, oh yeah, I got this as well going on kind of thing. Like I want it to come as like, oh man, maybe I shouldn't make an excuse today. Like this guy's, you know, maybe it's just time management or maybe there's a way that I can prioritize that. Not, not like, haha, I can do it with a job kind of thing. Like I, I wanted to uplift and not be condescending in any way. Yes. Yeah. And I think that that's what, I feel like that's so relatable to the majority of, of cyclists because the majority of the people in cycling are, you know, they're, they're professionals and then they're weekend warriors yeah so in, in a lot of cases like you're a, a, a better um example to them or more inspirational than maybe like you know tom pidcock or like vanderpool because that's like you know that's their career that's their ambition but um yeah and thank you so much for taking the time to do this because a lot of this is honestly some of this is for just my self edification on learning how you know, you're, you're doing all of this. So, uh, yeah, of course. Happy to be here. Yeah. Let's, let, let's get into it. So do you, um, want to give everyone just a little bit of background on who you are, how you got into cycling, like where you are in the U S and then the, the type of racing that you, you focus on? Yeah, of course. Uh, my name is Alex wild. I'm 29. 
my brother actually got me into writing. Uh, it's a funny story. In high school, I used to hang out after school and, and my, bugged, bugged my mom so much because she, she would get off work at four and school got out at two. So I had a little bit of time before she was able to pick me up. And she's like, you got to pick a sport. Like you hang out after school. Like she was worried I was going to get into trouble. And so my brother was riding at the time and I was like, I'll ride bikes. You know, I was, I was that little brother that everything my brother did, I wanted to do, even though I would deny it at the time. Um, and I just, I kind of fell in love with it slowly. I would say like through high school, it was, you know, it was fun. And I rode a few times a week and enjoyed doing it, but it wasn't, wasn't what it is to me now. It was only kind of in like the middle, I guess, of the U23 years, like 2021, I, I started to realize that I'm naturally good at it. I didn't, you know, didn't have a coach and was kind of just doing my own thing. And I was winning cat one, 19 to 29. And I was like, okay, like maybe this is something I could do better and started to kind of refine from there. And it was kind of a slow progress from 2012 to now. Okay. In, in terms of like 2012 was kind of that realization. And I would say racing in the form that I do now probably took shape in 2015, 2016 or so. Okay. I had a back injury from 2013 to 15 that kind of sidelined me. And I have a herniated L5 S1, which was the root of that from a snowboarding crash is my best guess. Um, so yeah. And then racing as it is now, I work at specialized, uh, supply planner and race as well. And I race mainly XCO and marathon. And then next year, I think I'm, my focus is going to be more oriented towards like the marathon and the gravel stuff. I really enjoyed last year. I did marathon worlds and some bigger volume and stuff like that. And just kind of refound my love for the bike. I think for the longest time I was chasing cycling as a job. Like I, I wanted to be that world cup racer. I wanted to be Nino Scherter, you know? And in reality, it doesn't excite me the way it used to like, like from the outside, right. It looks very glamorous, but those trips to Europe can be sitting in a hotel room, struggling for Wi-Fi, watching TV in a foreign language and eating a bowl of rice and kicking your feet up because you got to rest for the race. So I don't think that excites me the same way it did. And with XCO specifically, right. You're doing laps of like a two, three mile course. So that's all you get to ride when you go to a new place. So I think with marathon being like a 50 mile course, you really get to explore an area and you get to be there and you get to see it. And then you get to do like a, a real, like new trail instead of like a man built jump or this or that. So I think combining like more marathon style XC and then some gravel kind of is where my heart is right now. Yeah. Well, and it's just, so we, we work with a lot of athletes in the, the coaching business and we see some that are very like performance driven XCO, but we also see those people that they just love doing long rides with their friends. And, and I, I, the, the great thing about cycling is there is kind of a place for every type of athlete, which is something Absolutely. that I really love. I, um, was your brother, when you got into it, was he racing? Yeah. So that was like the uh, origin of the Nika league. So it started yeah. in California as NorCal and then SoCal league. And so when I first joined, it was still the NorCal league. And then in my senior year, it became NICA as it is now. Oh and so, 
So he raced that. And then we had a team at the school. So I kind of just joined that. And there was, there was four of us at the time. And yeah. it's actually, it's actually a really cool story because it, it came full circle. So I continued riding and then my brother took like probably four or five years off after high school. And then I got him a stump jumper in 2016, I want to say. And now like, now it's something we share. Like when we were kids, my brother and I fought all the time, like traditional brothers, right? Like I wanted to be him and he wanted me to not exist. So that was kind of our childhood. And then kind of that bike was kind of the change into the relationship we have now where we share riding and we both love playing uh, Call of Duty Warzone together. So we have the headsets and everything. And like, <laughs> I was telling Ama, it's kind of, it's kind of our phone calls, right? Cause we, we play almost every day together and we catch up while playing, you know, it's like, oh, you know, how was your day or, you know, tell me, tell me about work and stuff like that. So we play the game together, but we also get to like chat. So it's a very nerdy way, but it's, it's kind of our bonding. And then we ride on the weekends. That, that's honestly so cool. I, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Having a brother that's, that's interested in the same things that you are, I think, uh, you know, it's beneficial for, for both, both of them. So uh, you also brought up how, you know, the dream of Nino Scherter going to all the World Cups and being that, you know, top end. But then now it's maybe that doesn't seem like the aspiration. I, I, I have a lot of friends that are, you know, in the world tour, going into the world tour. And it's, you know, that's the, the highest level of cycling. But like, it is a job right yeah. you you are in a hotel you are focused on recovery because your performance you know can be getting a contract next year not getting a contract and your livelihood depends on absolutely and um you know the, although it's you know super glamorous we see them on, on red bull and we're watching them but there's you know we're not seeing the full picture and i think that a great example is is tom dumoulin right? He, yep. He's at the pinnacle, fantastic time trialist, really at the highest end of the sport. And he took a break. Yeah. So yeah, I, 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 I resonate with what you're saying. And I think people, I was trying to think of the audience too. I think a lot of people that will be listening are going to be like younger people, like yeah. there are things outside of cycling that. Oh, absolutely. A good life. And we were talking about it before, like, you were saying like, there's a difference between like me and a Tom Pitcock in terms of like relatability. And I think that's, that's what I try to share is I choose to have a job kind of thing. Like there's that stress, like you were talking about, like your recovery can be your contract. Like that's stressful. Like every year you're, you're fighting for next year. It's like, man, if I had to remind specialized, I was good at supply planning at the end of every year. Like that'd be hectic, you know, like obviously I do my job, but like, they're not, they're not like re-upping me every year kind of thing. So yeah. I don't know. I just, I always like to tell people, even if you are the best, like there's, there's other things to be a well-rounded athlete. And I think Tom Dumoulin's a good example in terms of people are talking about it now. Like it used to be like, nah, man, you're weak, just toughen up. And yes, it's not like that at all. I think the best athletes find a way to be well-rounded like like it's little things but 
like Tom Pitcock, for example, like he plays Fortnite, you know, that's like his fun time. Like he just messes around. And he also like, I think it was after Nova Mesto or something like he posted a photo of him getting McDonald's with the team. You know, it's like, I think even to be a, an athlete at his level, yes. you've got to be able to turn off and turn on kind of thing, like, and drive yourself from a place that's sustainable and fun. Like nobody's a robot. It may seem that way from the outside, right? Like, especially with Nino Sure, like nine world titles. Like you think that's just robotic, but it's like, he's got a support system and you know, you're talking about the five people you're closest with. That's probably even more important as an athlete, but it's probably most important to have those five people not be in cycling. Like, yes. like for me, my wife is a great sounding board. And I always joke, my dogs are too, because I win, I lose, I crash, I flat. Those two still going to be stoked when I get home. So it's yeah. like, it, it, it grounds you as a person, as an athlete that like, we get so stuck in this bubble of results and power and the nicest bike and white shoes and white socks and, you know, like all the little things. And, and it feels like the world, you know, it's, it's kind of like going through high school in that moment, everything that happens in those clicks. And am I popular? Am I not like, what, what did I bring for lunch? And all these little things feel like the end of the world. But if you take one step away out of it and just understand, like, this is just one facet of the world. And who you are on a bike doesn't define who you are as a human, you know? So it's trying to, I try to get people to understand, like you can chase those dreams, but at the same time, realize if you don't achieve them, it, it's not as bad as like, it's not bad, right? It's you gave it a shot and like, there's, there's bravery in that vulnerability. And just because you didn't succeed at this one thing, doesn't mean you're not going to achieve something else. And I like to think everything happens for a reason. So it's like, maybe you were meant to be, you know, a brain surgeon and you don't even know, like you're going to, you know, go create something and you just can't be good at cycling because that's, that's your true destiny kind of thing. So yeah, just because this one thing doesn't work out, doesn't, doesn't mean you're not a good human. Doesn't mean you're not a good person. Doesn't mean anything really. Exactly. Yeah. There's, you know, so much to life. So absolutely. I know that, um, we were talking about there's some people that are, you know this they're their profession and then, and then they're riding gravel or like road bikes or group rides mm -hmm. but you, you know there's those people and they're competitive you know they're cat threes cat fours with their buddies which is yeah. cool and i'm such an advocate of that but the, the level of riding that you race at you're racing with people at least in you know x when you went to marathon worlds and um even some of the domestic stuff you're you're racing people that it is their career it is their job to you know push out 450 watts for for hours and you know <laughs> do like so much so how do you manage what i'm sure is is a demanding career and putting in the hours and not just putting in the hours with the motivation um, and stress because, you know, I'll come back from work after a long day of work and, you know, I'll have planned to, you know, do two hours of intervals, but I get out on the bike and I'm just, my legs are done. I I've had too much life stress. I can't do it. So how do you balance being at, you know, such a high level? Yeah. Uh, I think I'm gifted at compartmentalizing. So it's like when I'm at work, I'm at work. And when I'm on the bike, I'm on the bike and for me, it's kind of a, 
getaway. So when I'm on the bike, you know, like there's that euphoria, like there's definitely days when I don't, don't feel great. Right. Like, you know, stayed up late trying to get POs in or whatever it is, but I also have obviously working for specialized, a lot of support internally in terms of like, they're a bike company and they want to see me succeed. So I'm lucky to be able to ride during the day. So, you know, I can split my day. I can, you know, work and then ride and then work being, being a very strong individual contributor where my, my schedule isn't very meeting heavy or dependent on other people's timeframes. So I think it's, you know, it's just, it's time management and prioritization. Like it's huge for me. It's a, it's a big priority. And so I, I treat it as such, like, if, like you said, I have two hours with intervals. It's like, okay, I'll block that on my calendar and then make sure everything gets done around that. But once I'm on the bike, I'm on the bike, you know, and then do everything to set up for success. So like two to three hours before I'll be, you know, make the pancakes. And I'm fortunate that now we get to work from home. So it's super easy to kind of have my own environment to succeed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, I was curious, did you ever, when you were beginning your career, I know that you said you had uh, taken a little break from school to, to be more competitive at, at racing. Um, but when you got kind of back into working, did you ever consider, you know, not competing at such a high level um, to focus more on work? Um, honestly, no. Um, I liked the balance. Like they, they kind of complement one another. Like I like having the job because it takes the, the stress off racing in a way. Like mm -hmm. I, I always joke with Jen, I, I, I work two jobs. So it's, it's kind of like one, one complements the other in terms of like, like I have my, my nine to five job, so I don't need to race. So, yes. so for me, it, it makes sure that my, my motivation is truly for love of the sport and for the love of like pursuing the, the best of myself. Like, what am I capable of? Where's my ceiling? Those kind of things, instead mm -hmm. of like pursuing money. And it also feels like I can be more genuine in sponsor choice. Cause I only, like, I only approach sponsors that I would go buy their product with my own money. So with the full-time job, I don't need to endorse a product that I don't believe in for the paycheck kind of thing. So I think it allows me to be a more authentic and transparent athlete because it's at the end of the day, I, I pay my bills on my nine to five and then everything I earn cycling is just gravy. Yeah. And, um, what you had mentioned about not, um, like not needing, oh my gosh, what am I trying to say? Like not needing to perform really well because you have your job. I feel like there's so many aspects of life where if you don't need it, then there's not that desperation that you actually do better. Mm -hmm. um, I think it removes the anxiety, you yes. know, the fear of failure. Like I'm okay failing because all that's on the line is my ego. And in terms of learning, you learn a lot more from failures than you do success, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I, I think there's a intrinsically negative outlook on failure and I'm definitely a perfectionist and I struggle with it for sure. But I think over the last few years, I've learned to be better at failure because it makes you better at success. Yeah. And those who succeed have to fail. You can't succeed without failure. That's 
that's and that's huge and I although I wouldn't consider myself a perfectionist I you know I like to do well Mm -hmm. Um, something that I've been kind of reminding myself is you know progress not perfection yeah that's a great one yeah and and for some reason that's motivating to me it'll get me through some stuff so um, yeah for intervals for me it's the a version of it is commit to pressing the lap button which for me is commit to starting the interval commit to giving it a shot you know like you start spinning out and your legs feel like crap and oh i didn't have my coffee or oh this or that you know all the excuses running through your head and my my motto is always commit to pressing the lap button like commit to starting surprise yourself you know like you, yeah. you don't know unless you try. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, oh, and we, we had talked a little bit about how you got really serious or, or, you know, competing at the level that you are at now around 2016 after mm-hmm. your, your injury. Um, you're, and you're such a numbers person. And, and I'm not sure if I had mentioned this earlier while we were recording, but, you know, I, every day I'm like checking your story and seeing your workouts and, and all your KOMs and things like that. But how has, um, you know, since you were already, well, I think what I'm trying to get at is your progression as a, a cyclist and how has your regiment been, um, kind of, uh, picked apart marginally to, to keep making sure that you're improving over, over the years. Yeah. Um, I definitely like to like attack something, you know, each year. Um, I remember distinctly in 2018, it was diet. Like I worked with a dietitian to, to break down macros and, you know, I've weighed my food ever since people give me crap, but it's just the way my brain works. It's, it makes it happy. It's not actually a stress for me. It's just like, Oh, sweet. Like I've had all the carbs and fat and protein I need for the day, Yes. but you know, little things like that. Um, I work closely with my coach and, you know, each year we go through and we're like, you know, here's where we feel like we like weren't strong this year. And we kind of bring those into the next few years, like anaerobically, I was struggling a little bit. And what we did is we created a workout where I do a seated acceleration every 10 minutes. And so it would be able to like accumulate time in that anaerobic system without a true tax throughout the entire ride. So, you know, little things like that. And just descending used to be like i we used to be not a very good descender in 2016 and so like i took the time to my brother rides enduro so i'd you know spend time riding with him and riding behind him and focusing on okay like weight the outside foot point your hips like focus on the basics and just kind of work on the mechanics of that knowing that in mountain biking it's not just power it's how low can you get your heart rate on the descent how comfortable can you be how fast can you go and a combination of that so i think it's just identifying where, and I struggle calling them weaknesses just because I feel like at the pro level, you have to be, everything has to be pro, right? So it's like, and even, even at an amateur level, I think weakness has a very negative connotation to it. So it's just in terms of like, I'm just not as good at this. So maybe this is where I need attention this year. And so one year it was descending and then, okay, you know, let's focus on the anaerobic contribution over here. And then you know, and, and attack it that way. Like, here's where I'd like to improve. How can we attack it and then stick to that? We, uh, we always do, we call it limiters. Like my brother and I like, Hey, what's, you know, an area that maybe comparatively to the group that you're competing against, do you feel yep. like you need some improvement? But yeah, absolutely. 
I should on a trainer road podcast. Uh, yeah. Amber says a lot um, that like, if you define yourself one way, right? Like you tell yourself you're not a climber, like then that, that holds you back. Cause then you're like, Oh, a hill, like I'm, I'm going to get dropped, but it's like, you know, just for that day, you are a climber, like give yes. it a shot kind of thing. It's like, I think that mindset will get you far in terms of like, instead of approaching, like, Oh, I need to do this interval at X wattage, like kind of approach it with like, what am I capable of? Like, Oh, instead of like, Oh, I can't do the full 20 minutes. Like how far can I get in? Can I do one minute? Can I do two minutes? You know, it's like approach it in a way that it's like, you're challenging yourself. Like, what am I capable of? What can I do today? What, you know, maybe I can make myself hurt this much, you know, or maybe I can go, you know, five seconds longer than last time kind of thing. So just approaching it with a mindset of like curiosity and excitement of like testing yourself instead of just I think power meters are great for progression, but also great at giving you pass fail, right? Like if your target is 350 and you're at 349, you're like, it's, and it can be anxiety inducing kind of thing. So it's like, (laughs) I think just as much as I'm numbers oriented, also being directional can, can help a lot in terms of like, okay, like 349 is fine. Like next time I'll try for 350. Yeah. And honestly, you're still getting all the adaptation. It's like, yeah, but you're right. It is very pass fail. And it's very like, you know, could be mentally uh, draining or uh, absolutely. I uh, what you had mentioned about um, Amber and taking on that identity, like mm-hmm. I'm Amber. We my at, at my job being a book, we have book club, and yeah. we're doing Atomic Habits right now. And one of the the biggest ways for people to adopt a new habit is, you know, instead of saying like. Um, oh, sorry, I'm not smoking right now. If you take on the identity, like I'm not a smoker, I don't do that. Yeah. Or an athlete, hey, I'm an athlete, mm-hmm. clean because I'm an athlete and that's important. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's so impactful just taking on the identity that that you think like, hey, I'm a you know I could climb. Maybe I'm not absolutely 140 pounds, but I can still climb. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that that's. I've, I've been implementing that this month since we were reading that book. And I'm like, it is, it, it seems to be very motivational or. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause, cause you feel like you belong, right? Like you, you don't feel like you're a, an outsider kind of thing. It's like, when you say you're not a climber, then you feel like, you know, there's these people who are climbers and you're not one of them. It's like, you can even blow that up larger to cycling as a whole, right? Like identifying as a cyclist, like that means so many different things. You ride a bike you're a cyclist. Like I always joke, like, um, I wave at anybody on a bike on my rides that you, you can be a kid riding your, you know, little tiny bike or whatever. Like if you have two wheels, I always joke, if you have two wheels, we're friends, like, like I'll wave at motorcycles too, just cause I feel like we, we have the same struggles of not being seen by cars. So mm, yeah, it's just like that. And I think that identity is important, you know, yeah. like if you're a cyclist or you're, you know, within your life, if you're, an entrepreneur, right? You can, if you identify as that, then you, you almost become it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, uh, so I am, whether it being, you know, good or bad, I'm someone that's very future focused. So I love, I love asking people about what their plans are for, um, for next year. Okay. Does, what does, 
the future kind of look like for you? Um, maybe like next season and then maybe like a few seasons from now, both on the bike and off the bike. Yeah. Um, I'm very future focused too. Uh, I would try to focus on being president now, but I definitely try to make sure that everything's covered. So I guess we can start one year out next year. I guess this is the first, first time I ever said it, but me and my buddy, Will Foley are starting our own privateer team with the focus on being like racing races that we're excited about. So doing new, like I said, new marathon races, and we'll probably do marathon worlds. I want to go back to Leadville, do some gravel yes. stuff, but it's also kind of going back to those five people that you're surrounded by become what you are. The program is the same way where we're, it'll be MI3, which is the company he works for. It's a petroleum engineering company. And I feel like I need to give that background because everybody just sees petroleum and freaks out, but it's actually a company that represents the tribes. So most oil land is on tribal land. And so what this company does is normally if nobody gets involved, the oil company will write a contract to take the rights to the land. And what the MI3 company does is they write the contract so that the tribes keep their land and they pretty much sublease it out to these oil companies so that they're actually getting the profits they're due for owning that land instead of getting screwed. So as, and they're, you know, they're actually CO2 neutral, which is awesome. So I always feel like I need to give that explanation when I say I'm <laughs> sponsored by a petroleum engineering company, but it's an awesome company. And we, you know, we're, we're close with the owners and they're excited. They love cycling. And then also ice friction, which is a company I've used for a long time, which does ice coating on or wax coating on chains and cassettes and chain rings will be our other title sponsor. So I'm super excited about that. And it's a program that we can, we can own and run and, and kind of goes back to that vibe that we were talking about before of just both Will and I work full-time jobs and we compete at the highest level. And our goal is to, to be approachable. And, you know, like I love fielding questions on Instagram and everything of like helping people ride. Like I, I just want to feel connected to the people who ride and like get some, you know, I always, I've been asked to coach juniors, but I always feel like a I, I always give them my number and ask to be more of a mentor role. Cause I don't feel like I have the qualifications or the, or the time needed to be a coach, but just more of like, that's our, our motto of sorts is just like longevity in the, in the sport and how to find, like you were saying, there's something for everybody, how to find where you fit into the sport, whether that's like, you know, I want to commute to and from work, or I want to race the world tour or, you know, somewhere in between and, and finding that. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. And my goal is for that to last the rest of my career, honestly. Yes. Oh my so God. So I'm looking up to 10 years in the future for something like that. So I want to start to build a base and, you know, kind of look to, to Legion in terms of like, there's, there's some sort of coherence from year to year and, and growth, like obviously not on that large scale, but just in mm -hmm. terms of like, we want to create an identity and, and start to like build for that future on the cycling side. Yeah. And, um, I, I love the kind of pop-up of the privateer ring programs, uh, in cycling. It's just, I, I, you know, that's not something that you'll see in like soccer or like, yeah. Basketball. And I, the, I think, I don't know why, but I think that the reason that I love it is because I, 
was so Ted King, he was in SoCal a few years ago. And, you know, he's such a good bike racer. He retired and then he started the um, Untapped. Yep. Um, and I was talking to him about it and he's like, yeah, I just came back from racing the world tour or maybe he was doing it concurrently. And he's like, I was talking, I was talking to my friend and I was like, I wanted to just this thing. It's literally just like maple syrup in like a goo packet. Cause I hate the taste of goo. <laughs> Dear God, that, that makes sense. And then they went through the production and now it's, you know, it's a, it's a big business. And I love how uh, entrepreneurial cyclists are, or at least professional cyclists that I've seen. Like I, I'm yeah. close to Justin and Phil, Phil Guyman. He's, yeah. you know, they all have that. I think that, that hustle. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that's what it takes to be a good privateer, right. To be a good steward to, to the sponsors. And I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm such an advocate of that. It's so cool. Absolutely. I think that's, that's in a way what makes cycling so pure too. I feel like, like basketball, you go to a game, right? Like you're never going to meet Steph Curry or anything. Like you go to a bike race, like you go to, you know, the lion's den, you can go up and shake Justin's hand. Like you can say, what's up? Like, I think it's so approachable and, and the same thing, like you don't need to be a multi-billion dollar team to race the biggest races. Like, like me as a pro, I can go race any pro XC race there is so it's it's very approachable but also like relatable like like you know you even watch the tour like you may not be doing six watts per kilo up those climbs but you know what that feels like we've all gone up that climb and, and died a million deaths of you know like riding your bike so i think it's it's a unique sport in that way because i don't think i'll ever know what it's like to again shoot like steph curry but with cycling anybody can go out and and do the workout I do set to their, you know, FTP kind of thing and, and understand how hard it is. So yeah, I think it's really <laughs> like relatable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And then, um, yeah, so that's, I, we covered short-term, long-term. Um, so some of the, uh, the questions I, I like asking kind of everyone, everyone's a little bit different, but um, is there, do you have a favorite book or podcast? And then, you know, why is that your, your favorite trainer road? I am, you're going to say, uh, yeah, cause I'm terrible <laughs> at books and podcasts. Um, I think we talked about this before, but I only like to learn things that I'll use. So I struggle with, with finding a podcast series or, or anything. Cause I want to be like, Oh, I'll, I'll take that episode, you know, kind of thing. So, um, I do a lot of like LinkedIn learning or YouTube videos or Coursera, where it's just like, like right now, my, my current obsession is, is financial planning for the future and, and stocks and bonds and mutual funds and, and all that. So I've just been kind of going through and like, I started at like basic, basic financial, you know, basic finance planning and kind of like learning about what the recommended ratio of like bonds to stocks is and, you know, how much you need to retire and how you decide that and stuff like that. And then I was, you know, looking into stocks and like how you def decide what your stock portfolio looks like. And so I'll do stuff like, like that, I guess. So, and then like a few months ago it was coding. So I was learning a bit of Python and SQL and stuff like that. So I just piece by piece, but the only podcast I listen to regularly is, is the trainer road podcast. Yeah. But I, I think that, you know, I, that the question really is like, you know, what, kind of media or, or what are you consuming? And that's, 
you know, there's, I'm sure that there's people that will listen to this that are like, I don't know what Coursera is. I don't know what LinkedIn learning is. So those are really good, good tools for, you know, people that are interested in learning something specific. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just started using LinkedIn learning, but I've, I found it super helpful. There's just a search bar up top and I can just type in finance or stocks or ETFs or, you know, NFTs, if I wanted to learn about that kind of thing. And, and it brings up all these videos that are related to it. And a lot of them are an hour or less. And a little pro tip, if you set the, the speed to 1.25 times, you can get through it quicker. And a lot of them speak quite slowly in the videos. So 1.25 doesn't feel like they're like rambling at you. Yeah. Yeah. And then is there any piece of advice you would give your, your younger self? invest sooner. Yeah. Compound effect is real. So yes. if you're listening to this and you're under 20, even if you're not making much stick $50 a month into a mutual fund or something easy, you know, something that tracks the S and P 500, just be done. You can open a free account at fidelity or E-Trade. Like I thought it was all confusing and people told me this, but literally just go to fidelity.com, open a free brokerage account and buy SPY every month for whatever you, whatever you got and just watch it tick over and make you money. And then by the time you're 40 and you haven't touched it, it's like, how do I have a million dollars? Literally. And then you can go ride your bike all day or there you go. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Where can people, you know, watch your Instagram, find out more about you. Yeah. On Instagram, I'm at Alex wild MTB on Strava. It's Alex wild. I'm in San Jose, California. It's the one with the orange seal guy in the little bubble there. Um, and yeah, shoot me a message or comment on a Strava ride. I, I try to respond to any questions I get. So, and then every Monday I do question Monday. So I choose five questions to answer, which is always fun. I try to choose like a broad range of questions from funny to actually insightful. So that's always fun. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for, for taking the time to, to do this with me, Alex. I really yeah. uh, appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me.